The Canoe Story I started as a tree. I was a giant wawa tree in the forest of the hinterland. I was not the oldest tree but being one of the biggest in the forest. My root went down hundreds of years. I was already a handsome youth when people first moved into my part of this forest. They came passing by me, often taking a rest in my shade. Later, they came to my farm and then to settle. At that time, they rarely attacked any tree of my size. We stood like kings, our tracks big and tall, spreading out our limbs in all directions to form a great green canopy over everything else. For years, we shared the peace and quiet of our forest with animal and man, who only chopped down small trees for his use. But sadly, one day, there was a great deal of noise in the forest. We heard the wailing of trees. From my place, I could see them falling. They were falling by the scores, but there was nothing we could do about it. Not knowing our own faith, we mourned our fallen friends and sent the birds hovering above. We stood still, unmoving in limbs or leaf, and echoed the death cries of our friends. The stately oaks, mahoganies, sepele, emery, walnut, the cedars all wailed out from their very root and cause, and the dying could be heard for miles around. In the end, the forest was scared. A road was cut right through the middle of it. From that time on, we never had our own quiet again. Machines began to crawl through the forest. Those fine animals that had lived with us all the time had to flee from the racket of noise and the smell of the ion's monsters. Still, we remain as we trees only stand either until we are filled and made into timbers. But count all the birds that nested in my branches over the years and the ones that only stopped to take shelter in my leaves from wind and rain. Insects and flies of all kinds hatched and swarmed and lived in my blossoms, and leaves and even made their permanent homes between cracks in my back. And who can even estimate the amount of leaves that I shared into the forest floor in just one season? Did you know that the thick peels of leaves on the floor is needed to soak up the raging tides of raining water? Like sponge so that it does not wash the soil away? Did you know that without the leaves rotting on the ground, the soil is not fertile anymore? How about the worms and the married outer creatures beneath the surface? that are nourished by rich mush of any rotting leaves. Or they don't matter? How many antelopes have I not saved from the hunters? All they had to do when in desperate danger was dive behind me at the critical moment. More often than not, they got away with their lives. Lodged in my truck in many places are countless metal pellets. Men used to come here to empty them on each other. Though the pellet brings certain death to any creatures of flesh, blood, and bone, they hit with the fire of lightning. I found out by sheltering those who sought refuge with me, 
Soon, they also began to pay us visits with their machines and they were not happy visits. Each time they came, a great tree or two would fall, an oak, mahogany, cedar, one after another. We lost many of our friends. One early morning, it was my turn. A small gang of men came to me with presents of cloth, a fowl, a bottle of gin, and some eggs. They offered a gift to me and my spirit. The spirit that had been with me for the hundreds of years, it took me to grow from a sapling to the towering giant I had become. They prayed that they needed me, so no harm should come to them while they work on me. They should have troubled me, as no creature that lives and breathes like being removed so sadly. But I thought about it and saw a different side of to the matter. In my time, I have seen many great trees and trees much smaller and not anywhere as old as I, being slowly destroyed by disease. Some too were blown down sadly by the storms to rot and wash away. I was going to have a new life and felt rather pleased. Besides, with the gift and prayer, they had shown their respect for me. They returned later to build a platform around my base. I was even more pleased about this. It meant that they weren't going to bring those wild machines with tooth chains that shoot into you. After all, I had taken a lot of time to grow, so it was only right that I end it slowly. They hewed at my track with sharp felling asses, taking out small chunks at a time in rhythm with their crowning songs. They made such fine music that I felt completely at ease. You must see how large I was, to know how hard they had to work. I reached nearly 150 feet into the sky and about 10 across the grid. In the end, I was laid out on the forest floor, no more the proud giant I had been before. Now, the men began their work. They started by taking measurements of me, then they worked carefully with axes, axes, knives, saw, chisels, and mallets. They peeled me down to my bare wood pop. Then carved away with their tools until I began to take a new shape. This new shape was unlikely anything in the entire forest. I felt very pleased with myself. After weeks of chiseling and hacking and scoping and scrubbing, they stopped. I looked like a gigantic hollowed out banana and they seemed quite happy about their work. I could feel that in the way they touched me and patted me on my new surface. I could also see it in how they walked around me and stared lovely at me. It had taken them about 40 days to turn me from a standing tree into a canoe. One day, a machine came right up to where I lay. It brought more men, ropes and poles. They lived and turned and pushed and tumbled and rolled and finally hustled me onto the open end of the machine. With half of me sticking out of the machine, I was removed from my home forever. For nearly two days, we traveled through towns and villages, making towards the south. It was a long journey rarely. Being the first time I had moved from my place in the forest, 
You can't even imagine what sheer magic it was for me to move to have the distance hills ahead come towards me. As I push through the air and entire landscapes, change and disappear behind me. As a tree, I never move further than northern and swaying to the push of the winds when they blew. Where we finally stopped, there were hundreds of coconut palms standing close together. They seemed to be gathering the scores of canoe like myself that were resting in their chaise. Oh, I said to myself, so this is my new home and my new neighbors. Beyond the coconut trees, there was something that nearly took my breath away. It was the largest mass of water I had ever seen. Blue, green, and white, and spangled, and glistening. It was never still for a moment. It rose and fell. It rolled and tumbled. It fizzed and bubbled. It was the ocean. But I did not have time yet to stare and wonder. The men wrestled me out of the machine and pushed and towed me across the sand to the shade of coconut palms. The moment I touched the ground, I heard a chorus of voices saying, Aquaba, welcome to the coast. It was from the group of canoes and I was rather surprised that they spoke my language. But I needed not to be surprised. I had forgotten that they all came from the same forest in the hinterland where I too had come from. They had all been stately trees in the Asante forest once. Thank you, thank you, I said to them and greetings to you from your neighbors in the forest. After resting for a week, a group of men came to me. They brought some gin with them. The oldest man among them poured a liberation and sprinkled me all over with the drink. At the end, he called out some words that sounded like, Kashimi. I was then left to rest longer. They only came to turn me over every now and then. I can't count down how many days or weeks, but in the end, I was as dry as a cork. Then, a very clever man came to work on me. He carved some patterns into my size. Then, very carefully, he taught me all over with flames until I turned a very dark brown color and became as tough as iron. He then nailed some balls into me to make benches for the men who will ride in me to see. When he finished that, he painted my patterns with bright colors. Finally, he stood back, looked at me closely, and said, Kashemi. Immediately the man left, the nearest canoe spoke up. Hello, you are a beauty. Look at all the patterns and colors in your size. It was itself a great old canoe with many patches in its size. I asked him then, Hey, what is the meaning of Kashemi? That is the beautiful girl language for you. Kashemi means never leave me. Oh, I like it. I like my new name, I said. I did not have to wait long. It was still dawn and the ocean shimmered with the late moonlight. That was the last time it began. Men and boys of the villages came down to the beach. They looked like some kind of monsters, with all the things they carried on their heads and shoulders. A few moments later, 
They were wrestling the canoes, including myself. They meant to shove us across the sun and dunk us in the water. That rather worried me. The way the water fizzled and bubbled, it appears to be scathing hot. Add to that its immense size. We will be like twigs in it. But as I watched my friends, they slide calmly over the sun, then they bounced and floated happily on the water. I watched how proud they looked as they were loaded with all the things and boarded by the men. How surprised I was then, when a tongue of cold water licked my chest. So this thing is cold, I said to myself in disbelief. Welcome, welcome, new one, the great water said good naturally to me. Soon, I was dancing above the water with nine men and their gear on board. The men paddled hard and that pushed me forward through the water. It was unbelievable. I rocked and swayed as I was whipped and buffeted by sprays of water. I was splashed and slapped and lashed by waves, but I was already enjoying it. We went further and further out to to sea until even the tall coconut palms were lost. Far out there, they began to work with their nets, moving forward quite slowly. They carefully dropped the entire long stretch of their net into the water. Although it did not sink entirely, one edge stayed on the surface, floating on a string of bright colored balls of cork that bubbled endlessly on the waves. The other edge was taken down to the bottom by weights that were swinging to it. I then noticed that beneath me in the depth of the water, a long fence was being made with the net. When they finished their work, we turned round to go back to shore, dragging the loped net slowly behind us. There they worked very hard again, drawing in the net. Having done my part for the day, I sat in the sun with sea water lapping gently at me every now and then and looked on amazed. Soon, the whole place was swarming with fish, swimming, dripping, flipping, shining fish. That was my first time out at sea. Now I am a seasoning seafarer and I mean really seasoning with salty sea water. Now, I cut through the sea's white forth as if it were only spilled palm wine, and gamely mount its blue-green walls and scrolls of water. Sometimes a storm would wipe the sea and turn its surface into a May storm. If that happened, it made me stand almost on my end. At such times, I will hug the water with everything I had, and pray to the spirit of the sea. Oh, sea, mighty water, please do not make me leave my men in this. The sea has always listened to me. I have always brought my men home to land. And note my words, now I can even say my men. I know that the men think kindly about me. Maybe they even think of me as one of themselves. I know this because whenever they have their feast, they come to offer me some of their food and drink. They call me by my name, saying, Kashemi, this is for you. 
You have helped us through the past season. You have been good to us. Receive this offering and continue to be good to us. They even tried to make my work easier. At one time, I was given a large piece of cloth, which trapped enough wind to push me along in the water. That was quite exciting, and I must say, I loved it. Now I simply skim over the water, though with quite a bit of noise and stink. My men made enough money to buy me a motor. The motor works hard to push me rapidly through the water, like a leaf in a breeze. Can you imagine? I've even learned to like machines. You are supposed I should feel bitter about this chain, but I try to see things differently. In the forest, many creatures depended on me. I too depended on the earth, the air, the rain, and the animals that came to me. Now, I am a present from the forest to many human beings that depend on me. Nothing has changed. We all depend on one another. It doesn't matter what we are. It is what we do. That matters and sometimes we alone have the chance to do something of a kind. To benefit many others. So, like a fruit tree. The pao pao, the coconut, orange, mango. I say to myself, I am given the chance to live with people and help them. It is a privilege. I must say that I am happy here. I enjoy what I do now. At the same time, something keeps reminding me that all is not well. You see, since I arrived here, more canoes have been brought down from the forest. But as I join others to welcome the newcomers to our midst, I noticed that none was ever as big as I was. Or anything close to my size. That saddens me a great deal. It makes me think that I may have been one of the last gentry of the forest. If only these men would go to the forest and for each tree that they take, also plant one or two saplings in, in its place. Better still, why don't they plant a tree for every child that is born to them? One tree makes even more trees. That is how the forest came to be. Still... I know that the people here like me a lot. I see it in the faces of the men who take me out to see in the faces of the women who came to buy the fish that we bring. And oh, you must see the children who come rough and tumbled around me. They all come close to me, gently and with fondness, call me by my name, Kashimi. And now you know what it means. I wish everyone everywhere would say the same about all the trees and forests around the world and do everything so that the forests of trees do not leave them.